Well, as I um, left the building last week and uh, got home, um, we were teaching on the area of forgiveness and how um, we should walk it with a level of forgiveness in our lives. And um, as I got home and I put the key in the front door, it was like the Lord downloaded the message for this Sunday. Um, and I knew that I needed to continue those thoughts and the exact scripture uh, of where I needed to go. And I, I thank the Lord for those moments because come Monday morning, I know exactly where I'm going and what I'm about to do rather than sitting there thinking, Lord, where next? Um, and and it was, it, I, I believe that the, what we shared last week was timely, it was impactful, and it was needful because we all need to walk with with forgiveness in our hearts. And not, not just a level of forgiveness, but with a heart of total forgiveness. You know, sometimes we can live with a level of forgiveness, but actually what we need to do is walk with total forgiveness. Um, the Lord doesn't partially forgive us. He completely forgives us. And therefore, that uh, let this mind be in you that is also in Christ Jesus. We also need to do the same as he does in our lives. He gives, forgives us completely. So we're going to pick up these thoughts again today. And we're going to start in, in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, we didn't use this scripture last week, but it's another scripture um, that really speaks about how complete our forgiveness towards others should be. Ephesians 4 verse 32 in the Amplified Version says this, Be kind and helpful. This is a really good scripture for marriages. It's a very good scripture for people in church, but actually it's a great scripture in all aspects. It says, be kind and helpful to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, forgiving one another readily and freely, just as God in Christ also forgave you. Now, the first thing I want us to notice is that God freely and readily forgives us. Freely and readily. You know, whenever we come back to God and say, Lord, forgive me, he doesn't say, right, okay, give me, give me 10 minutes and I'll see whether I want to. He does it freely and readily. And do you know what, in, the, in a husband and wife situation, in a relationship, you know, when one says, you know, forgive me, um, or I blew it, I'm so sorry. It should be freely and readily, not, well, we'll see if you live better this time. You know, it, it, you know, we have a mentality of dragging things out and seeing if we do better or perform better. But actually what we should be doing is exactly what the word says here, freely and readily. Always allowing that forgiveness to happen. But very often, and, and I'm, I've been guilty of this in my life, you know, th there's been areas in the journey of my life, and, and there's, there's things when, when I was small, when I was a teen, when I was older, that sometimes you don't always want to forgive. Actually, what you actually want is, is rest uh, not restoration, you want re re recompense and retaliation or revenge. You want other three R's, not uh, forgiveness and reconciliation. You want, you want recompense. You did this to me. I want to see something back happen to you. And I've been there in the journey of my life, and it's not a nice place to be. It's not where God wants us to be. He doesn't want us in that place where we look for revenge or we, we, we get our own back in a situation. He wants us to be a forgiving people 
as he has forgiven us, so therefore we also forgive others. That is the key. Internal breakthrough is where we were talking last week. If sometimes we, you know, we want to see breakthroughs in our finance. We want to see breakthroughs in our family. We want to see breakthroughs in, in maybe our employment. But actually, do we need an internal breakthrough before we see an external breakthrough? Because the internal of our life, that which is in the, the, the soul of who we are and the spirit of who we are, it is that which is more important than the natural thing. See, if we get ourselves right, very often the things in life will begin to be right. But it's, it's getting our heart, getting our life right before God. That is the most important thing. So I'm believing in this room and in our lives in this, this room today, and those who would listen online, that we would examine our heart before God. That we would consider our ways and consider whether we're still holding something against someone or we're still struggling to move on from an event that took place in our life and, and that we are now free internally so that we can move forward externally. Because we'll never move forward externally whilst we're hanging on to the things of the past. It will never happen. You may feel that you're moving forward, but actually, like I said last week, there's always something that's pulling you back to where you were. You may take a few steps forward, but you'll be pulled back because you've not dealt with the internal issues of your life. It was so important to Jesus that we understood the power of forgiveness. Even when Jesus was teaching in the area of faith in Mark eleven twenty. 23 and 24. He's talking on faith. It's the, perhaps the most important lessons on faith that we could ever take a hold of. You know, it's about speaking to the mountain. We've sung it over and over. It's about the words that we speak. And if we don't doubt in our heart, great pr principles on how to live by faith. But the moment he's, he, he, he continues this dialect on faith, and then he talks about forgiveness. And the two are incredibly linked. There are people who say, oh, I'm living by faith. But actually, they're not, they haven't forgiven a loved one for something that happened years ago. They haven't forgiven um, a, a situation, a work colleague that, that perhaps caused them to lose their job. I will never forgive them. Well, that, I, let me tell you right now, you'll never live by faith. Because faith and forgiveness are linked. You know, people can say, well, I'm standing on the promises of God. No, you're not, because you're not doing what Jesus said to do. And that's forgive your brother or forgive your wife or forgive your husband or deal with that issue and walk free from it. Because until you have, you will never successfully walk by faith. Because the, the word of God says this. Let's, re let's read this again. And I love, this is Jesus speaking, okay? So it's in red. It's really important. And I've highlighted it in red here. In Mark 11, let me read it from, from the word itself. I'm going to go from verse 20. Now in the morning, they passed by the fig tree. This is the moment where Jesus had re re rebuked the fig tree. He was teaching them a lesson on faith. And um, they passed that way again in the morning. And it had withered or dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering him... Uh, well, it said to him, Rabbi, look at the fig tree which you cursed and has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Or as many translations say, have the faith 
of God. You know, that's pretty impressive. If, if we've got faith in God, that's great. But if we've got the faith of God, you know, which we have, the, um, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, faith. The faith of God is in us. He said, and so Jesus answered and said, have faith in God or have the faith of God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Like I've said many times before, there's a whole lot of things being said. Therefore, it's, it's so important that our words line up with the word of God. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them. You don't believe that you receive them when you see the answer to prayer. You believe that you receive when you pray. That's it. Job done. It's not when you see it that you think, oh, I've got the answer. No. When you pray, you believe that you receive. That's the moment you start to praise God. That's the moment you get excited. Not when you see the answer. Not when you see the circumstances changing. It's when you pray. That's faith at work. And then he says, when you pray, I believe that you receive them and you will have them. Verse 25, and when you stand praying, so he's talking about the same thing, when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. That's pretty full on and powerful. Please don't ever expect to be living by faith and living with unforgiveness at work in your heart. It will not work. It does not work. Therefore, we need to keep short accounts of wrongs. If Jane does something and annoys me, which she doesn't do very often, <laughs> you thought I was going to say the other way around, didn't you? <laughs> she doesn't do very often. But I've got to keep short accounts of those wrongs. I could tell you a few of them, but I won't, because that would go against my preaching. You all want to know them now, but I'm not going to do that. We've got to keep short accounts of wrongs. Let me move on to the scripture thoughts here. The Greek word for forgiveness here is aphemi, or aphemi, and it means to send away. Now, if I need to forgive Jane, I don't say to her, look, go away. That's not what the scripture is saying. Don't twist the scripture. It's dangerous, okay? It means to take away, to release, to drop or let loose. In other words, I've just been offended by Jane. I'm now walking with a bit of an attitude, don't want to talk to her, don't want to be in the same room. She comes in, I go back out. I've got to drop it. I've got to deal with it. I've got to release my feelings and release Jane in her world so that she can become a better person, but allow God to deal with that. Not for me to judge her, not for me to have a go at her. Not See, this, the boot's on the other foot, really, but I'm just using this illustration. It's so important that we affirme our feelings. Whenever you need to forgive, remember, a fear me, to release. Because actually, when you forgive someone, you are being released from them or the hurt or the pain. You are being released from the past, 
from those things that have attacked you, from those things that have harbored in your life. When you forgive, you are a theme, you let loose, you drop it, you release yourself from the effects. And there are many, many people who are walking around in life, and I said this last week, who something happened when they were aged eight, four, three months, whatever, and they've walked with an unforgiveness in a situation, and they've never been able to let it go. They've never been able to drop it. They've never had a release from it, and therefore they are tied to the person, the thing, the words, the action. They are continually tied to it. They need to be released and set free. You, you can be released from whatever Whatever took place, whatever happened, whatever words that were spoken, you can be released when you say, I forgive that person, I forgive that situation. Do you know what? You can even forgive someone who's now dead because it's your heart. It, may, it will affect that person. No, nothing at all. They're gone. It won't affect them. But it affects you because you've released yourself from that situation. It is so powerful. So a fear me. Let go, drop, release, let loose. Because ultimately we are releasing ourselves from their control or from the control of those words that were spoken. You know, I remember you know, an, old, an old junior school teacher who turned around to me and said, you will never amount to anything. I carried those words. When I went into, into Broome Park, I, I assumed I would never amount to anything. As a, as a first-year student at Broome Park, I would never amount to anything. Do you know what? For the first three years, I never amounted to anything. They put me in the bottom group for English, the bottom group for maths. They took French away. Praise the Lord. Not because they're French, right? I couldn't understand English. I couldn't understand my language, not alone another language. It's like hopeless. How am I? In, you know, they could have taken Scottish away from me. I wouldn't have. I, it, it, I couldn't understand any. I, I couldn't understand English. And I, it was a self-fulfilling prophecy over my life. I wouldn't amount to anything. And do you know what? There had to come a moment in my life that I believed I would be something. I would be. Uh, Mrs. Pacey, she turned around and said, you'll never be... You, this, this boy, in my school report, she wrote down, he can't kick a ball straight. <laughs> do you know how hurtful that is for a young man who loved football? My brother may agree that I can't, and those who are there on a, on a Monday night may think I can't kick a ball straight. I am now 56, and perhaps I haven't got the strength to kick the ball like I used to. But that hurts so much, and I carried it. And there are other words that have been spoken over my life that created wounds in my heart that I carried. And you know, if you carry enough, the Bible says it becomes a weight let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us deal with the weights. It became a weight in my life that began to become a self-fulfilling prophecy of who I was. And then I began to outlive that self-fulfilling prophecy. And I grew up thinking I amounted to nothing. 
that I couldn't achieve anything, that I was worthless in what I did. That's why I'm amazed you're even here. By the grace of God. It's by the grace of God that he took what was a worthless one in my own thinking and created anew what God wanted in the journey of my life. And the moment he called me, he equipped me. And he brought transformation. And he brought healing. And he brought restoration. And he changed the direction and the thinking of my mind of who he created me to be rather than what others labeled me to be. We can live by the labels or we can live by the truth. And who the, and whom the sun sets free is truly free indeed. That, to me, is so important. As we choose to forgive others, we will find that we begin to feel cleansed from the inside, from the wrongs that they did. See, there are things that happen to you and things that happen in your life that you had no strength over, you had no power to change. Things that took place when, when perhaps you were totally innocent. But you know what? That moment that you choose to forgive, you begin to feel cleansed from the inside so that you can walk forward in the journey of your life. When we choose to forgive others, we choose to do what God said and because we do what God said, there is a power that's released in our life. Jeremiah, I, I love this scripture in Jeremiah. And, 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 it, and it's God speaking to Jeremiah. It's God speaking to the heart of Israel. And, and his heart, Jeremiah, we know Jeremiah's heart was just so for God and so for Israel. And yet his heart was breaking over and over and over again for Israel. And God then starts to speak to Jeremiah. And in this, this discord of thought in Jeremiah, we see God revealing his heart. And, and he's saying, look, look I, I can see that the, the people have, have, have frustrated the covenant that I cut with Israel. They've frustrated and they've gone against it over and over and they've broken the covenant that I've had. But he starts to declare, but there is going to be a new covenant. I'm going, to, I'm going to create a new covenant, and the word will be in their heart, and, 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 and it will be through Jesus. And, and he doesn't mention Jesus, but it's going to be through his son. And he's revealing the, the fact that this is going to be a new covenant. And then he says these words to Jeremiah. I will forgive them for the wicked things they did, and I will remember their sins, or I will re and I will not remember their sins anymore. Can you, you know, if you honestly sat here right now and you began to re recall the sins that you've done. Now, you may be a really good person. You've grown up in church. You've never done much wrong, but you stole the biscuit from the biscuit tin. When your mama told you not to, you were disobedient. Therefore, you broke a rule. Therefore, you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's others here and you think, please don't ever show me my sins on the screen because um, you know, I'll never come back again. So we got everybody, every variation in the room. But you know what? When God said this, I will forgive them 
This was going to be under the new covenant. Uh, this was, he was speaking about when Jesus comes. He was speaking about when his son would come into the earth and take away the sin of the world. He was saying, I will forgive them for their wicked things that they did. And I will not remember their sins anymore. Isn't that so releasing in our life? You know, there are, there are some who, who would go with the hyper grace teaching and say, well, does that mean then I can go and sin and, and do as I please and get away with it because he won't, even, he won't even remember when I've done it. But the apostle Paul turned around and said, God forbid that we should frustrate the grace of God in such a way. God forbid that we should go that way. If we truly knew what it cost him to, be, to forgive us, we wouldn't frustrate the grace of God like that. It would cause us to want to live right. It would, want, it would cause us to want to live righteous when we understand the power of the cross. And here he says, look, I'm going to have this new covenant with you. I believe it's an incredibly powerful scripture that brings a liberty and a freedom into our life. Whenever there's a re remembrance of an incident, a person, those words that were spoken, a wrongful act done, forgiveness releases us. Psalm 32 verse 1 says, Happy, how happy is the, ones, is the one whose wrongs are forgiven, whose sins are hidden from sight. It goes on and on, over and over again. You know, when we do wrong and we're, we're trying to do what's right, God forgives and he forgets. It's not like a husband and wife or, or your children or the work colleague who he says, yeah, you've done that before. God forgets. He chooses to forget. The, 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 the blood washes us. His blood washes us. Though our sins were as red as scarlet, they wash us white as snow. We may be able to point at our life. Do you know what the hardest person to forgive is? It's, 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 it's ourselves. It's, it's what I've done, the failures of my life, the failures. I didn't get it right and I, I didn't say it right. And, and we fail to forgive ourselves. We, we may fail to forgive others as well. But the hardest person to forgive is ourselves. And this morning, I believe in this room, God is wanting you to be able to forgive you so that you can move on because you've been the one who's holding you back. Not circumstances, not others. It's you. It begins here. It begins internally in our heart. I guess in many senses, as you look through the Bible, there are many people in the Bible you think, they could have held a real grudge or they could have had a real heart of unforgiveness. You know, I, I, I thought of several individuals and I, I thought, no, the one that I believe the Lord highlighted to me and perhaps I identified with most is that of the life of Joseph. Joseph could have had such an attitude. He could have had such unforgiveness to those that had caused so much harm. He was rejected by his brothers and despised by them. You know, to, to, to live in a family with, with so many brothers around you, knowing that they absolutely hated you and despised the fact that you were still breathing. That's hard. Uh, they planned to kill him and threw him in a pit. 
you know, they, they, they killed an animal and covered his coat with blood to take home to the father and say, look, an animal killed him. You know, that's just grim. I can't, you can't, I, I can't imagine what that would feel like. And you're in the pit, you know that your brother's going to go back to your dad and deceive him that an animal killed him when actually the brothers were killing him at that moment. Thankfully, they changed their mind and then they sold him into slavery. For most slaves, death was often better than life because it was so horrendous. So they did save him from the pit, but what he was going into was even worse. He became the slave of Potiphar, a powerful man in Egypt. Many scholars believe that Potiphar was in charge of the prisons, and he may well have been the executioner in the prisons. So he's now in this man's house. He's now a slave in the prison officer's house. Then he was falsely accused of rape of Potiphar's wife. But he ran for his life, but he was caught and thrown into a dungeon. You, you, if you think it all started with a brother saying something horrible about him to another brother, and those two brothers agreeing, and then those two brothers going to another brother, and they all agree that that brother is horrible and we don't like him, and how dare he ever cope that, that we haven't got, and how dare, how dare he be chosen and, and selected and, and, and loved better than by the dad and all the rest of it. And then he's thrown into this dungeon. He survived the filth and the rat-infested dungeon for at least another further two years of his life. But do you know what? God hadn't finished with Joseph. Many would have written him off at that moment. And even though he had interpreted the dreams of, of the, uh, the butler and the baker, he, he, and he was still in the prison. That's, he said, look, don't forget me, guys, when you get out of here. Don't forget, I, I've interpreted your dream. He was still left there and forgotten for a further two years in the dungeon. Rejected and forgotten, but not by God. See, there, there, there may, we may be in a life circumstance where we feel we're in a dungeon. We're in the darkest, dirtiest, muckiest place that can be. And we feel that God's forgotten us, but he hasn't. You may feel like you're in the midst of a dungeon, captured by the work of the enemy, but you're not in a place where God's forgotten you. And in a moment of time, a certain moment in life, Pharaoh has a dream. And suddenly he's remembered. There was a man in the dungeon who interpreted our dream. Perhaps we need to go and get him. And from that moment, a certain moment in time, there came a time when all of a sudden, Joseph from the dungeon, the pit ridden, the rat, the pit, rat ridden place, he suddenly gets promoted to the palace. Why? Because God hadn't stopped working. In the midst of the worst, the darkest, the deepest place that he could have been. God was still working. In your life, for that moment, the darkest, deepest, worst part of your life, God is still working. You're only here today because God was working, or else you wouldn't have been here today. If it wasn't by the grace of God, your life would have been taken from you. But God... 
but God. I tell you, we've got to be so thankful for our God moments. So easy to forget sometimes. So easy to ignore sometimes. But there were God moments in the journey of every single one of us where he's kept us, he's preserved us, he's positioned us, he's getting ready to do something new in our life again. And here, Joseph, he goes from the pit to the palace. What is that? That's a picture of incredible... It's a picture of captivity, restriction, and the work of the, of the, of, of the Dombonic and, and, and the work of the devil in our life. To a place of freedom, that place of transformation, that place where never again will I have to go back to that place, that dungeon. I can now walk free, live free, and be free. That's God at work in the midst of our life. And he became the second most powerful person in the whole of Egypt. Do you know what? One day, those brothers came knocking on the door of the palace. Oh, can you imagine what that moment must have been like? Oh, there was a famine all over the place. And the brothers came to Egypt because of the famine was so bad. And they came and they knocked on the door of the palace. They came in, coming to beg for grain, coming to beg for food. And as they went in, what happens is incredible. Because Joseph reveals who he is to his brothers. Can you imagine the fear? He's the second most powerful person in Egypt. And his measly, miserly little brothers, big brothers, came begging Remember that the, he'd had these dreams that the sheaves would be bowing down. All the prophecies and the dreams that he had had, all of a sudden, it's beginning to take place. And when Joseph reveals who he is to his brothers, the fear that must have struck their heart, what is he going to do to us? Listen to this in Genesis chapter 50. See, I'm breaking into the story. Go home and read it. It's great. Genesis chapter 50, verse 19. It says, Joseph said to them, do not be afraid. If, if, if they were not afraid for their lives, he didn't need to put that in there. All right? They were in fear for their life because of what they'd done. Joseph said to them, do not be afraid. For, I, uh, sorry, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Verse 21, now therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Do you know what I believe Joseph said? I forgive you. That says it all. I forgive you. What you meant for evil. I can imagine they're just shaking in their boots. I forgive you. Was all it needed. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. I just think that's beautiful. The hurt, the pain, the suffering, in prison, in dungeon, all that went through. Because we can identify, some of us in this room can really identify with Joseph. We look at our life and we think, I've been dealt a bad hand. 
this has happened, that's happened, that's happened, that's happened. And you've got a catalogue of hurts, pains and destruction in your life. But Joseph chose to forgive. And because he forgave, he was promoted. Come on, church. Let that speak into your heart. You harboring an unforgiveness is hurting you. You harboring what has happened to you is hurting you. I am not belittling what took place or the words that spoke, were spoken over you. But I want to see you free. And that begins with saying, I forgive me. I forgive the situation. I forgive the person. I forgive the words. And I forgive and move on. I'm not saying it's easy. But it's liberating. Absolutely liberating. The truth is we cannot walk in unity with God while we're in discord with others. It doesn't work. That's why it's so important that we deal with the issues of our life. See, forgiveness doesn't mean, well, I'm going to forgive them, therefore I've got to, I've got to be their best friend. No, it doesn't mean that. It means that you can forgive, you can release, you can even bless, but it doesn't mean there's restoration. Sometimes there can't be restoration, but there can be total forgiveness. There can be words of blessing. There can be a freedom that you walk in. I love this particular scripture in Psalm, Psalm 79. Psalm 79, verse 9. I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. It says, Our hero, come and rescue us, O God of the breakthrough, for the glory of your name. Come and help us. Forgive and restore. Heal and cover us in your love. Right now, in this room today. That is my prayer. Oh, hero, come and rescue us. Oh, God of the breakthrough, for the glory of your name, come and help us. Right now in your life, right now where you are in this room, my prayer is, Lord, come and help us. Come and help us. You know, for some in this room, you're not, you've not carried stuff. You haven't had the burden and the weight. And, and perhaps this is just a, a word that, you know, it's, it's a good word. I could use it for somebody else. Great. But I believe in this room, there's a deep healing going on in the hearts of some. A deep healing that only the Holy Spirit through his word can bring into our life. That's why this word says this. For the glory of your name, come and help us. Forgive and restore, and heal, and cover us in your love. There's a process. There's the healing. Sorry, there's the forgiving. Then there is the restoring. Then there is the healing. And then there's the love. You've got to work with the order in which God's word says. Forgive, restore, Heal and then cover us with your love. The only way to be free is to recognize our own deep need for forgiveness and the amazing gift that Jesus came to give.
And this is the scripture that I got as I put the key in the front door last week in, in Luke chapter 23. And it says this, verse 34. While they were nailing Jesus to the cross, he prayed over and over. One translation says he prayed intensely. He prayed over and over. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And the soldiers, after they crucified him, gambled over his clothing. He prayed as they nailed him to the cross. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. The Greek text implies a repetitive action over and over. It wasn't just once. He prayed it over and over. When the nails went through the palms of his hands, he prayed, Father, forgive them. When they lifted him up on the cross and it jolted down and the weight of his body hung on that tree, he cried out, Father, forgive them. When the sins of the whole world were placed upon him. That's your sin, Phil. That's your sin, Pavel. That's your sin, George. That's your sin, Camille. That's your sin. My sin. The whole world's sin was placed upon him. When he felt the weight of the sin of the whole world. He cried out, Father, forgive them. That repetitive, repetitive prayer. That moment that the soldiers gambled for his clothing, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Do you know what? That moment that you receive salvation... His forgiveness is all of yours. That moment that you say, Jesus, forgive me. I make you my Lord and Savior. He said, there is no sin left. Because I paid for it all. Just going to finish with this scripture. 1 John 1 verse 9. But God is faithful and fair. If we confess our sins, he will forgive our sins. He will forgive every wrong thing we have ever done. He will make us pure. Isn't that beautiful? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Today, every single person in this room can sit here and be completely forgiven of every wrong, every sin, every thought, every action, every word, everything that you have ever done wrong, that God would look and say that was wrong, we can be forgiven of every single thing. That's the power of the cross. That's the power of the cross. And this morning, I just want to pray two simple prayers. I want to first pray a prayer for those that have never received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And I want to pray a prayer for those in the room that need to forgive themselves and to be able to move on. So let's just pray the first prayer. I want to pray for the, anybody in the room that has never acknowledged Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They've never said, 
Jesus, come into my heart. I've never really realized that my sin put you on the cross. But today I do. So let's pray that prayer first. If you repeat after me, pray it nice and loud. There may be someone in the room that's praying it for the very first time. So let's pray. Jesus, I come to you today. And I thank you that you have forgiven me of every wrong and every sin I have ever done. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on a cross for me. Today I choose you to be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to count to three. While every head is bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you, if you prayed that prayer today and you're saying, yes, Jesus, I acknowledge what you did at the cross, you did for me. I'm going to ask you to pop up your hand, pop it back down. One, two, three. If you prayed that prayer today, sincerely in your heart, just pop up your hand and then pop it back down. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God knows your heart. He knows the journey of your life. Thank you, Lord. My second prayer is this, and I'm asking everyone to keep their eyes closed. No looking around at all. If today you need to forgive you or to forgive someone in the journey of your life, and you've struggled and you've not done so, but today you've heard what you've heard and you want to be free and you want to walk free, I'm going to ask you just to pop up your hand right now and then pop it straight back down. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Jesus, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that this was such a now word. Holy Spirit, I pray that everyone in this room that has acknowledged the need to forgive and be forgiven and to release others. Father, that you right now would take these words and bring your anointing to remove burdens and destroy yokes in people's lives. Father, I thank you for the Holy Spirit that quickens the word of God like a sword in our heart. And I pray right now that every chain be broken. Every chain of the past be broken in Jesus' name. We take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God that's been preached today. It is the sword that, um, that divides soul and spirit, bone and marrow, the thoughts and the intents of our heart. And we sever, Lord, the hold of unforgiveness off of our life. And I, Lord, today I speak a release of your Holy Spirit right now. Just a, a release, Father, in people's hearts and in their minds. Lord, that there would be true healing and true forgiveness and a, and a, and a restoration of your love in our life. Father, I thank you for the quality decisions made in this room today. I thank you, Father. 
Lord, that nothing can rob these people today who have responded to your word. I thank you, Lord, that the seed of your word would continue to grow and that we would all walk keeping short accounts of each other's wrongs. Father, I thank you for the internal breakthrough that only you can bring. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God is so good. A word in season for many people's lives in this room. And I thank God that he led and he's directed. And wherever we go next week, he will bring a word through.